Well, good morning, everybody. If you've been coming to Sugar Creek Baptist Church a, a while, or you've been worshiping online for a while, you know that every so often I will reference a particular story in the Gospels, and it's obviously, it's obvious that I just love this story. The real reason is because even as a young teenager, I began to ask the question, why, what am I here for? And what's the goal of life and all that kind of stuff, just like you did. And this story really helped answer that issue for me. And it has become near to my heart. It's a very simple thing. A guy asked Jesus, what is the greatest of all commandments in the Bible? You already know what Jesus said. Jesus said, it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. But the truth is, that guy could have asked, well, what's the purpose of life? Or, or what is the big goal of what life is about? Or what is the meaning of life? And he would have gotten the very same answer from Jesus. Because this answer is the answer to these questions, all these questions. And it's simply this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is simply saying nothing is more important than the relationships of your life. Those relationships with God and with others. Sometimes, especially men, young men begin to make this, this mistake because we're trying, to, we're trying to show our family I can be successful in my career, in my business. I begin to pour everything I have into my career. But the problem is, is that after a while, it's so out of balance for so long, it begins to break down the relationships in the family. I've heard so many stories over the years in my ministry. And this last week, a guy I was talking to, he's not a part of this church. I'd never met him before. We were talking about things. And, he, and here, here's what he said to me. He said, I missed. He said, I, I poured myself into my job, into my business. I missed the growing up years of my children. And when I missed those Years, I, I finally woke up and realized I'd made a terrible mistake and I, and I started turning everything around in my life. And it's really good when a person does it. It comes to that point and says, I, I can't do anything about the past, but I can do something about the future. I can build a relationship with my, with my adult children and I can pour my life into them, spend time with them, build a relationship with them from this point onward. But you can't turn back the clock and you missed some precious years in the lives of your children. And I'm just warning you up front. I'm saying to you up front. No, I understand. I poured myself into ministry. I understood how important it is. I know about your career and you, you can't go up the ladder. You can't keep progressing. You can't get the, the, the raises and the promotions and all that. I get that. But somewhere there is a balance that must be struck so that you, as you are doing this career, you are building those relationships with your children, your experience in their life, you are there with them. As they walk through their days, it is so critical that you live your life in balance. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love the relationships of your life. We're in a series going through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's been called for centuries the love chapter. 
And we've called it the love challenge because all along the way, we keep getting challenged week by week by the new thing that we discover in the passage. And the whole idea is that we would bring balance to our lives, that we would build the relationship with God and relationship with others in our lives by going through this love challenge. The word love that is used all the way through the chapter is the word agape. And agape love simply means the act of living out the character qualities of God. The selflessness. The, the unconditional love. The being there. To live out those qualities of God in our relationship with God and with others. And so today, there's a new challenge that he gives to us. It's the last time I'm going to, to read the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to read it in a different version, so stay with me as I go through it and listen to what it says. If I had the gift of being able to speak in other languages without learning them, and could speak in every language there is in all of heaven and of earth, but I don't love others, I would only be making noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and I knew all about what is going to happen in the future, and I knew everything about everything, but I didn't love others. What good would it do? Even if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, I would still be worth nothing at all without love. If I gave everything I had to poor people, and if I were burned alive for preaching the gospel, but I didn't have love to others, it would be of no value whatever. Love is very patient and kind. Last week, we talked about the whole issue of patience and now kindness. And actually, these two words are just different sides of the same coin. Patience is uh, something that is, happens mostly internal. Oftentimes, nobody even knows we're being patient because it's an internal fight that we are having inside and hopefully we choose to do the right thing and that patience is that internal battle. But kindness is external. It is an external action that you make. You, it, you can't, if you're going to be a kind person, you can't hold that in because it, it has to be something that comes out as you relate to other people. And I think of kindness, I think of thoughtfulness and, and uh, caring about people, and it's that, but it's far more. The word kindness in the Greek is the word krestos, C-R-E-S-T-O-S, krestos. But the word Christos, C-R-I-S-T-O-S, is the word Christ. It's just one letter difference between Christ and kindness. So what happened in first century when people would talk about Christ, this early church, the first century church they would, in the Roman empire, they talk about Christ. Uh, people didn't know what that, who that was. They didn't know what that word meant. And oftentimes they thought, well, they're talking about Christos. They're talking about kindness. What is this? Some religion about kindness? The word Christos means to be gentle caring, helpful, courteous, and kind. It is the opposite of being harsh, sharp, bitter, 
and resentful. But what was a surprise to me is that when I started digging deeper into the word krestos, and I discovered the foundation of this word, I, I came to realize, wow, I, this was something more than I thought. It was something more. This whole kindness thing is something more than I realized. The foundation of krestos actually means to help. It's sort of like to build up to help, to build up. Krestos means to be used by God to help someone else grow and develop. This is why in the Phillips translation of this verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it says, love looks for a way of being constructive. And I'm telling you, this is more. This is more than just a kind word and, and nice to something that, to someone. This means that I have taken on the role of helping and building up, being a people builder. I have chosen to be a people builder in my life. And it's that that I want you to grab hold of. It's this thought. Maybe it's a new thought. You and I have been called by God to be a people builder in our life. So the first principle that I want to talk about is simply this. Help someone see who and what they can become. This is really the old idea of kindness, and it's far more than I really understood. There have been people in my life who have helped build me who have spoken into my life. Sometimes it was just a small thing, a passing thing. Other times it was far more substantive in my life. People that have, I have watched and I have seen, oh my soul, look at, look at their life. I, they're so mature. They deal with issues so well. And I have watched their life and they've, they didn't even know they were doing it. They were actually building me up. They were actually constructing part of me by me watching how they responded to life. But there have been other people that have really kind of mentored me, that have sort of taken me on, taught me how to, how to be a better dad, how to, how to be a better husband, how to be a better pastor, and have really contributed to my life. You and I have all had people that have been people builders that have helped us. But now the challenge is, would you be a people builder? Would you take on, maybe it's in passing, sometimes maybe it is far more than that in which you're taking someone or someone's on and you're helping to build them up. And maybe you are even thinking right now, yeah, but I need somebody to build me up. I mean, I'm, I'm going through some hard times and problems. I need, I need somebody to help me. Okay, but here's what I do know. I know that when we give out, when we do for others, and we don't think primarily of ourselves, we think primarily of others, and we are giving to help meet the needs of other people, that God meets our need in the process. Give, and it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So others, not God, he says, God is moved in their heart, but others shall give unto you. So I'm here to say to you that if you and I will take an outward view and we will say, God, okay, yeah, I'm going through difficulties. God, I know you're going to take care of me. I trust that you're going to meet my need. But now I'm going to think of people outside of me. I want to be a people builder. I want to help meet the needs of other people. God, would you use me? People in my family, my, my extended family, people 
in my neighborhood or at school in my class or people that I, I get to know around the, around the campus or people at my church or, or people at my job. People in the homeowners association that are helping me out or what, whatever it is, wherever it is, God, maybe there's somebody that I could encourage, that I could help, that I could build. Would you use me? Ken Blanchard wrote the book, uh, One Minute Manager. And the whole idea of it is you and I, if we are strategic in how we use our time as managing other people, can actually get more done and more positive things accomplished than we realize. And one of the stories in his book was a story of a sales conference. And I gotta tell you, I got questions about the sales conference. There were 63,000 people there. How big is this company? Or was this a conglomeration of companies that were meeting? I don't know that story, but there was a sales company that he gives the example of 63,000 people, seriously, are at this conference. And they have every year a salesman of the year award. And on the particular story that he is talking about, it is a woman that wins this award. And she is recognized. She comes up on the platform. People are applauding her and that sort of thing. And that would speak a word. Tell us a couple of words. And she gets up and she says, the truth is the person who won this award is my sales manager, not me. And what I mean by that is this. The two years before this year, I was terrible. I couldn't make any sales. I couldn't meet any quotas. And I felt like a total failure. And I decided at the end of the second year, I'm gonna submit my resignation, and I did. And I handed my sales manager my, my, my resignation. And he said, why are you doing this? And she said, the reason is because I stink at sales. I, I got to go find a different career. I obviously am not good at this. And he said, oh, and if that's the reason, then I do not accept your resignation. Why? Because you're a lot better salesperson than you ever dreamed that you are. You're one of the best I've seen. You know your products. You actually care about your clients. You are articulate. You know how to, to, to uh, communicate. He said, there's just some missing pieces. There's some rough edges that need to be, to be smoothed off. And so let's work on it this year. And she said, he gave me some books to read and he began to encourage me. You can be the kind of person. He sort of painted the picture of the kind of salesman I could be. And, and he began to encourage me. She said, he believed more in me than I believed in myself. And he wanted me to be more successful than even I wanted to be. And she said, all along the year, he was giving me words of encouragement and I, little tips of advice. And she said, what can I say one year later? Here I am. And I'm standing here saying, the award really belongs to my sales manager. He built me up. And this is what God is calling us to do and to be. In some people in our lives, in some individual that we, we have some relationship with, that you and I could help that person grow and build. We could be a people builder. And that is the idea of be a people builder and help them see who they can become in Christ. Now, some of the people that we're trying to build up have uh, not such great attitudes. 
And it may be that there's people in your job, in your work, and, and, and wherever, and you think there's no way, there's going to be no progress with this, or this person. So let me give you a story to the contrary of that. Wade Boggs was uh, uh, one of the greatest all-time hitters in Major League Baseball. He was third baseman for the uh, Boston Red Sox, and he was a really good defensive player. He was first base, a third baseman until later in his career became first baseman, and he was really good defensively, but his his real strength was he could hit a ball like you can't believe. I'm going to tell you the hardest thing in baseball, in any sport, quite honestly, is to hit a baseball. The hardest thing in any sport. It's coming at you 100 miles an hour, and it's coming with sliders and curves, and then all of a sudden it's 80 miles an hour, and you, you got to figure out within a split second what to do, where it's going to be and what to do. It's the hardest thing in any sport. But Wade Boggs, he... he he made it look like it was child's play. He can literally put a baseball anywhere on the field that he wanted to put. He was just amazing. He was a real all-star. Every year of his career, it seemed like, but he was a real all-star. How many of you have ever heard of Wade Boggs? I'm just curious. Well, okay. All right. Several of you have. Wade Boggs uh, played for the Red Sox, and the Red Sox and the Yankees have a major rival that probably no other two teams in eSport has. They just despise each other kind of thing. And so Bog said that the one place he hated to play in was Yankee Stadium. He just hated to go, hated every day, every game at Yankee Stadium. And he said it wasn't because of the stadium and it wasn't because of the fans, it was because of a fan, one fan. That fan was obviously a season ticket holder and had a, had a seat right there at third base. And he yelled and screamed and cussed Boggs out constantly all through the game. He said all the vilest things you can say about a person and their family members and everything else. He was just at him constantly. Nobody was stopping him. They were loving it. This is Yankee Stadium, remember? And they were loving it. And all he was trying to do was get under the skin of Wade Boggs, and he did. He succeeded in it. And Boggs just said, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And, it, and then here's what he said. He said, one day I got an idea. It was, they were out there. It was pregame. They're warming up. They're taking infield practice, batting practice, that kind of stuff. And Boggs said, I looked over to the seat where this guy was always sitting, and there he was. He was early getting revved up to give me nothing but a heartache. And, and he was with friends, talking with friends. And he said, I walked over to him and I said, are you the guy who yells and screams and cusses me all the time? The guy said, yeah, I am. What are you going to do about it? And Boggs reached in his back pocket, pulled out a baseball, brand new baseball, and he signed the baseball and he dated it. Look, he's a superstar, and to have a signed baseball and dated, pretty cool. And he handed that guy the baseball, he turned around and walked away. And he said, you know the crazy thing? This guy did not yell or scream at him the entire game. The entire game. And did you know, he said, he never yelled and screamed and cussed me one more time. Never did in all my career. Furthermore, he said, every time I went to Yankee Stadium, 
he was there in his seat and I would go spend some time with him before the game and we talked, got to know each other, became friends. And he became my number one fan in Yankee Stadium. And all it took was a signed baseball. And by the way, Boggs didn't even have to pay for the baseball. I mean, it was a free baseball. And here, but here's what I'm saying. He had to make the decision with a person who didn't deserve it. With a person who was mean and vile to express kindness. And in so doing, got to the other side of this man's heart. I don't know what it looks like when you are building each person that you are building because for every person it's different and where they are a family member or extended family member at work or whatever but the Bible is saying to us that one of the aspects of agape love is to be willing to build the lives of other people even the people that don't deserve it and to express what it means for Christos. There's a second thing that he teaches us, and that is to encourage others in the whatever times of their lives. Romans chapter 15 and verse 2. We who are strong in the faith ought to help the weak in order to build them up in the faith. We are strong, help others who are weak to build them up. This is this whole idea of being a people builder. So which one are you, the strong or the weak? You are both, and so am I. We're both. There are times in our lives we got our act together, it's all going right, we're li living for Christ, we're doing right things, it's, and we're living, we're living right lives, and, and other people are struggling and hurting, all things are good with us, but they're going through bad times, and we, re we reach out and we're there for them. We care for them. We want to help them. We want to build them up. But there are other times where the weak ones, we may not show it on the outside, oh, we got this whole, we're doing fine, everything's good with me, but the truth is we're wounded to the core, we're hurt, we're struggling, we're going through hard times and difficulties. Sometimes we're the weak one. And sometimes what God chooses to do is use some other person in our life to, and he brings them along our path and sort of builds us up other times. It's God himself that's building us up. And we're being nourished and encouraged from the Holy Spirit himself. But whatever it is, we're the weak at that moment. And God is saying to us, no matter when you're strong or when you're weak, I am asking you to treat people around you with dignity because they matter to me and therefore they should matter to you. And no matter who they are, maybe it's the person who is trying to get the promotion that you're trying to get in your company. And you know good and well that person is trying to undercut you and put you down because they want that promotion and they're trying to so, sort of show your weaknesses or outdo you somehow. And instead of going to doing the same thing that person is doing to you, you encourage them, you build them up. And some of you are saying right now, it is obvious that you are a preacher 
and you are not in my world. You don't have the slightest idea about my world. You don't know. You, you get out there, you, it's dog eat dog. You better be just as tough and mean and undercutting as they are to you. And you're right. I don't know about your world. But here's what I do know. There is a God in heaven and he sees and this God is able to turn the heart of your boss. This God is able to give you a promotion. This God is able to, 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 to do in your life what, what should be done. This God is able to give you favor. And if you and I are willing to obey God and do what he says for us to do, it is amazing what God is doing and working behind the scenes. And I'm saying to you, you need to open your heart to not be like the other people that you work with or the other people that you're around. We live in a day of habitual criticism and disrespect. And a whole lot of that is online. When, when you can hide behind a, a, a pseudo name or you can do and you just say, spill out, but I'm gonna tell you something, even though other people might or might not know who you are, God sees. God sees. Most people get far more jeers than cheers, get more pokes than strokes. And when somebody comes along and says, good job, you bless my life, you're amazing, encourages a coworker, it's a very rare thing. So you be the one. You stand out like a bright star on a dark night in someone's life. You be the encourager. And by the way, it doesn't have to be hard times, just hard times. It doesn't have to be that. It can be in any time in which you're lifting somebody up, building someone, encouraging somebody. And it could even be a spouse. Now, you have permission to encourage your spouse. It could be your parents. It could be your children. It could be anybody in your life that you build up, but that you encourage. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, encourage one another and build each other up. Three principles as you're in the process of doing it. Three principles. Principle number one is this. When we encourage people, it needs to be sincere and genuine. Don't take this idea and then start flattering other people because you've got a motive, some bad motive. Don't be manipulative with your good words. Be sincere. Be authentic. Be genuine. Second of all, be encouraging to others and, be, and make it I'm, I'm messing up the whole sentence, but the, I, the, the word is habit. Build this as a habit in your life so that it becomes second nature to you. You, you see some person checking you out at the grocery store. You, you, you are around some person that's walking in the door of, of a store or something. It becomes a habit of, of seeing the good things in other people and calling them out and... and, and, and encouraging. Number three, encourage with specifics. Don't do general, generalities. Oh, I want to tell you, you're basically a good person. 
No, that doesn't help at all. No, go and be specific about things that you see in their life. Be specific. So be genuine, be specific. Make this as a habit of your life. Now I want to show you a video. And by the way, I showed this video years and years ago. I love the video and it, I'm thinking after all this time, I can show it again. So many new people in the church, but even if you've seen it before already, go with the video. It, my, the videos I show you and I do a video is only usually two minutes. This one's five minutes. It's way too long, but we tried to cut it down and I just couldn't see any place to cut it down at. I didn't want to, I didn't want to hurt the story. So I want you to stay in tune with it, and here it is. Watch this video. When you walk around the grounds of Gainesville State School, you'll see just about everything you would on any other high school campus. There are students, teachers, a computer lab, and a gym. Except here, the students are convicted criminals. It's an incarceration facility for kids that have uh, violated law. Each day starts in a tiny dorm room they call home and continues marching from class to class, abiding by a strict schedule. In fact, the one thing that makes them feel like kids again is football. It's like you remote model on campus, you know what I'm saying? Everybody want to play on the football team. Just to put on a tornado's uniform is a reward, not a right. You must have good behavior and good grades. Not to mention, every game is played on the road, but it's worth it to escape on Friday nights and enjoy a small piece of freedom they gave up. But each week, there comes that constant reminder of who they are and what they've done. They don't treat us as a regular person in the world. They treat us like we're just some alien, just from somewhere out, just out of nowhere. I mean, they look at us like animals in a cage, like we don't deserve a second chance or another opportunity to be something in life. After hearing the ridicule and losing eight straight weeks, the Tornadoes were once again on the road. Traveling to play private school power, great find Faith for the first time, who had moved up a division. Their head coach, Chris Hogan, had a game plan in mind, and it had nothing to do with football. We were going to show them that in this country, if you make the right decisions, people will get on your side and support you. And it doesn't matter what your background is, you can make it. In a selfless suggestion, Coach Hogan sent out an email and requested his fans, his players, parents, do something so out of the ordinary in the football culture. He asked them to cheer for Gainesville State. These young men will not have any fans outside of the faculty from their own school. Their parents will not be there. I want some Lion fans to sit on the visitor side and cheer for the Gainesville team throughout the game. I thought, okay, this is, this is cool that Chris wants us to do this, leading up to it. But getting there that night, it was so easy to transition from being a fan for the Faith Lions to a fan for the Tornadoes. You know, the idea of, uh, of giving and just being there to support those kids, those young men that have never had that before. So for the first time, the always-on-the-road tornadoes would feel as if they were at home. And as kickoff approached, it was obvious something was different. It looked like they thought they were at the wrong end of the field because they know they don't have any fans. And we were just looking. I just looked. I just kept doing my plays. I seen how they were split up, but I figured they just didn't have enough room on their side. I want y'all to line up in line. They make, they're making a spirit line. I like say what? Coach, what you say? Can you beat that? And uh, he said they're making a spirit line for y'all to run through. I like that's what's up, sir. That's what's up. When it happened, it was just, it was dynamic. It was one of the most unbelievable things I'd ever seen. 
I ran through this, like I felt like it was just like some like angels or something. That's all I, that's all I felt. Cause I was just running through it fast as I can. I just feel the wind rushing my face. That feeling of being unleashed lasted throughout the game, and so did the cheers. We had a penalty like the third play of the game, and I heard booing behind me. I turned around, and it was the, the great man fan. I remember when I was making like a play, I made a chocolate, and people yelling my name. I'm like, I don't even know these people. They were just like ours that night. I, I can remember rooting for their little quarterback, and I felt like he belonged to me. Our kids were their kids, and their kids were our kids, and all kids were the same. It wasn't enough to lead the Tornadoes to victory. As expected, Grapevine Faith won 33-14, and the Tornadoes finished the season 0-9. But it didn't matter, because for the first time in a long time, someone was in their corner, and that alone was worth celebrating. Like, hey, y'all, this, this is going to get close, man. I don't care. I don't care if we lost tonight, man, because I was feeling good. I feel like we were in the Super Bowl championship game or something. Like, we won that. I mean, winning, like, in our heart, spiritual-wise, I mean, we won. I've, I've been in state championships of different kinds, and there's nothing like this. Nothing. Isaiah and the rest of the Tornadoes will never forget the feelings they had on that night. And while it didn't erase the mistakes they've made, it showed 14 teenagers that regardless of the bad things they've done in their past, there was reason to look ahead. I cried. <laughs> when I, when, when after the game, I went back to my room, I cried. I think that your, your family are the only ones that love you. God ain't the only one love you. Other people love you, too. This is what I was hoping and praying would happen. I hope that it gave them hope. I see the world in a different way now. I mean, I don't just see, like, I'm the victim no more. So much love because, you know, I came from a broken home family. So, I mean, having all that love, it just, it just rose my spirits up. They got to be kids that night. They got to be a teenager and experience Friday night football in Texas. All I'm saying is there's people in our lives and people around us and God has called us to touch the lives of other people no matter how extreme it might feel at the moment to reach out and care and help build other people's lives. There's one last thing I want to mention, and, and it's just simply this very quickly, introduce them to Jesus Christ. This church, we've gone through the learning, the training of the three circles method of evangelism. If you, maybe you say, well, I can't tell anybody about Jesus because I don't, I don't really know how to make that presentation. But the three circles presentation of the gospel is so easy to learn. It, it, it is so easy to share and make sense. And if you haven't been through the training, I wish you would catch one of our training times that are coming up because it will really bless you and help you. But once you go through the training, then do it. Then introduce someone to Jesus Christ by sharing the gospel. Most people in the country know of a, of a human being named Jesus, but they don't know a whole lot else than that. Many people have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is time for us to open our mouths and to share our faith and help others come to know Jesus as Savior. This church has uh, every year 
an event in December that is called Gifts of Love, and maybe many of you have been a part of it, uh, in which we, we invite two or 300 families. Second Mile Mission Center invites them to come, and they're our guests, and we don't know, we know who they were necessarily, but Second Mile helps us, and they come, and you can't believe, I mean, tell you, I have to wipe back the tears all during that time in which we go through the whole, the whole Gifts of Love uh, moments at this whole hour or, or several hours, and, the, and be able to touch the lives of people that really need us to come through for them at that moment. But we haven't been able to do it that way the last two years. This last uh, December, we had to do it a, a different way again. And the only way we could because of COVID was to t- make gift boxes and then take the boxes to the families that were in need. And inside the gift boxes were gift cards that they could use to buy presents for their children and the children buy presents for their parents, like we did on a normal uh, Gifts of Love. And so this last December, many of our families went out, took the gift box boxes to the individuals that we had adopted. And one of those families, the Lopez family, went to an apartment and they knocked at the door and they came to the door and they explained where they're coming from Sugar Creek Baptist Church. We've come to give you a gift card that people couldn't, what? Giving you these gift cards that you could use to buy presents for your children. The children were all standing there. And, but they didn't stop with that. They also shared the gospel. And that day and eventually over other calls, the the whole family came to know Jesus Christ as their savior. Yes. And that's not the end of the story because that family then came to Sugar Creek. They didn't know what they would experience, what, what they would find when they got here, but they said, people, we didn't know them walking in the door, but just people were so friendly and so kind and, and they were just blown away by their whole time here and, and, uh, and then getting back in the car and they said, you know what? It was as though they actually wanted us to be there because we did. And now it's been a month and a half later and they come back every single week, every single week. I'm not surprised because quite honestly, This is the most kind, caring, building up group of people I've ever been around in my life. And I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you and really grateful and I love you. And I'm just saying, let's keep doing this and let God take us to different levels of being people builders and to make a difference in the lives of other people. For all of you that are watching and and worshiping with us online today, maybe maybe this is your first time or maybe you've been coming for several weeks and, and maybe this is the moment that God intends that you would come to know him. Jesus came to the earth and lived a perfect life and died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and rose again from the grave. And he offers to us the gift of eternal life. And he says, if by faith, you would turn from your sin and turn your heart to Christ. Lord Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to know the God that made me. 
and you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, he'll come into your heart and save you and forgive you and cleanse you and make you a brand new person to begin to totally transform your life. Little by little by little, but transform your life. And I'm asking, could this be the moment that you say yes to Jesus Christ and you give your heart to Jesus Christ today? And maybe you are on a different campus. Remember what campus you're on, no matter whether it's the Sugar Land or Missouri City or, or Richmond Rosenberg, whatever campus you're on, would you give your heart to Christ today? And how you then respond today is to go to the Next Step Center. Maybe it's if you're in person, the Next Step Center right there at your campus or online, the virtual Next Step Center. But open your heart. Is it to receive Christ? Is it to recommit your heart to Christ? Is it to join this church? Whatever your next step is, we invite you to do it right now. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we acknowledge, oh God, we need you. And I pray, Father, that all those that are listening and are, are worshiping, that are joining us online right now, that you would move in hearts and that there would be many that would come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I turn from my sin, I turn my heart to Christ. I pray, Father, you would move in hearts today to be forever changed and people to join the church and take the, whatever the next step, but God, move us to the next step in our life of being the man and woman, the teenager, the child that you have called us to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.